Hello everyone and welcome to our midweek podcast for Mobilla Presbyterian. Uh, this is a recording uh, of our midweek meeting which happens every Tuesday evening in our church building. And we come together uh, to worship God, to praise him, uh, to bring matters before him in prayer and also to hear from his word. This evening our assistant Wallace uh, will be bringing us a message from Nehemiah chapter 1. As we begin this evening, let me read these words from Psalm 130. These words in verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. We come before our living God, longing to know of that hope that he gives us in the Lord Jesus. We wait on him in what we do. Let's open in prayer this evening as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together in your loving and gracious name. To know, Lord, of the joy it is to seek and to follow you each day. Lord, to know that through you there is that everlasting life. The promises, Lord, that we can depend on in what we do each day. We thank you for this. Lord, go before us, we pray, so that we may know, Lord, of that living hope in all that we may do. For Heavenly Father, each day, Lord, we recognise brings challenges, brings hardships, brings a sense of restarting. And Lord, how often do we look to this world, do we look in at ourselves rather than of you? And so, Heavenly Father, come before us this day. Show us your power and glory and help us know what it means to trust in you in all that we may do. Lord, we ask these things now in Jesus' loving name. Amen. We're going to begin this evening with a very well-known hymn sung to us by Jonathan Ray and his family, entitled, In Christ Alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song, this cornerstone. the ones he came to save till on that cross as Jesus died the wrath of God was satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of 
of the theme of restarting and re-engaging with the church. I want to look at the story of Nehemiah and his sorrow and his prayer for the people of Jerusalem. So Nehemiah and the people had been in exile uh, from Jerusalem in Babylon. Jerusalem had been destroyed, yet under the reign of Cyrus, a small number had returned with Ezra. They rebuilt the, the temple and the centre of worship. But that was all. So what really was the state of the place and the people in Jerusalem. What was it like? Well, sounds a bit like our situation today. We've had a forced period of exile from our place of worship. In the meantime, things have changed. Things are no longer in the state that they once were. Worship is restored. Some have returned. But what is the true state of the church? Let us read from God's word, from Nehemiah chapter 1. These are the words of God. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakani, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant love with those who love him and obey his commands, 
Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant who is praying before you this day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees and laws you give your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there, bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favour in the presence of this man. I was the cupbearer to the king. Amen. Let us turn to God in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, for this message that uh, through Nehemiah, Lord, challenge us from it today. Encourage us, Lord, as we engage in your service. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I like to listen to the news every day. You know, I like to know what's going on and take an interest, especially in, in the places that I've been or where I've lived. You know, I'm originally from Londonderry, and I still would sometimes read the local news articles from there. And my mother still lives there, and I'm sure when I ring her up each week, I get a full report of all the things that are going on, people and the places that I knew growing up. I suppose it's a bit like Nehemiah. He was far from home, Jerusalem, and he's settled now in Babylon. But he's interested in what is happening. And in Nehemiah, we see, first of all, that there's a deep love and concern for the people. Nehemiah's brother Hananiah brings this disturbing and distressing report from Jerusalem. The walls are broken down. The gates are destroyed by fire. The people are in great trouble and shame. The problems on the surface are physical nature, but lying underneath there's a spiritual issue undergoing. The people who had returned to Jerusalem went with enthusiasm. They had a vision for restoring worship and for rebuilding the holy city. But that now had stopped. The temple was restored, but nothing else. The vision was lost. The enthusiasm was gone. You know, whatever happened, there wasn't the same interest and desire to continue. Perhaps because of complacency or opposition from enemies or other things just took precedence. But regardless, the city of Jerusalem was defenceless. It was open to attack. The citizens were in danger. And with them, the religion and the knowledge and the worship of God was in danger of disappearing from their community. Now, this isn't impacting directly on Nehemiah's life. Jerusalem is far enough away that he could quite easily just ignore these things. He could go on quite comfortably with his life, concern himself only about his own circumstances, his own well-being and maintaining his own worship to God. For Nehemiah, as we see in verse 11, was the cupbearer to the king. He was doing well enough for himself. He's comfortable. 
not facing much hardship. He'll manage all right if things don't change. Nehemiah doesn't really need to concern himself. That's not the case with Nehemiah. He hears this news. And as he understands the plight of the people, he's driven to tears. He loves these people dearly, even though they may not know him personally, and he may not know them personally. This news impacts him deep down in his heart. You know, for us, that's a great challenge. How comfortable are we in our places, in our position, or things that we're doing? Does the plight of those who are lost who've lost their enthusiasm to worship God or, or indeed who find no relevance in God at all, uh, at all and are open to attack. Does that impact us? Does it impact our hearts to the point that we weep for them? To the point then that it drives us to action. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem for he knew the plight of the people. He shared the heart of his father for those he knew that would reject him. and drove him to action. Ultimately to the point that he humbled himself. He went to the cross in my place and your place. So as we could be rebuilt into the image of God. Now let me ask you. When did you last weep for the lost? When did you last weep for the community that you live in? Or that you work in? For your neighbour or your friend who has no interest in worshipping God? You know, oh, that we have a love and a burden for those that we're called to minister to, for those that we're called to witness to. Well, that we had that love that reflects not just that of Nehemiah, but that of Christ himself. So Nehemiah had a vision of a restored Jerusalem. But a vision can only really be born out of sharing God's heart and having a real burden for a situation and a people. Now, I'm sure many have a burden for the church, for villa, and we do want it to grow and we want it to flourish. But let's make sure our burden is not just for the church, but for the people of our church, for those who have drifted away, for those in this community that our church is situated among. Now, this burden led Nehemiah to prayer, and it led him to a deep, heartfelt prayer. And that leads to discovery of God's will and God's purpose, and then to action. You know, our heart and our vision for lives to be rebuilt needs to be leading to action. As you read through Nehemiah, you'll see that he becomes a leader and he's one that's given authority. We see he drives that action, but you'll also see that, he gets, that everyone gets involved. Everyone plays their part in the rebuilding. We who love the Lord have all been called to action, to play our part. We've all been called to go and make disciples. Are we concerned enough and moved enough to respond to that call with heartfelt prayer and action? Now secondly, with Nehemiah, there's a recognition of God's greatness. Verse 5. Nehemiah's prayer, he firstly recognises God's greatness. He doesn't immediately come before God with his request for help, but he puts his request in perspective. He reminds himself of who it is that he comes before. He reflects on the character of God. 
Nehemiah begins his prayer using three titles, Lord or Yahweh, just God's proper name. And then God of heaven directs his focus to heaven and that he is coming before the one and only God. Just like the Lord's Prayer does, our Father, he is in heaven. Then Nehemiah comes with awesome God. He's coming before the awe-inspiring God. He puts, which puts in focus the king that he is going to go to later. He's just a mere man. Now when we pray, remember who it is that we bring our prayers to. Nehemiah goes on to acknowledge God's covenant love and God's faithfulness to those who obey and keep his commands. God's steadfast love is the mark of his faithfulness to his people under the covenant that he has made with them. And therefore, in verse 6, Nehemiah comes in confidence that God hears his prayer and is open to his request, which he prays day and night. Again, we see Nehemiah's persistence where he continually brings his request to God in prayer he doesn't fail he doesn't give up as often we do in our prayers you know as things begin to open up in society restrictions upon us in church ease and then we get ready for and indeed we've already begun in the a new phase of ministry let us remember who indeed our God is that we are serving and obey. He is sovereign over all things. We can trust and rely upon him. His love is never ending. The obstacles that we may see before us that seem insurmountable are nothing before the Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God. So let us not fear in our prayer for those in our hearts as we bring them before our God. You know, the recognition of God's love and his covenant brings the challenge of a response to his love. The challenge is to keep his commandments, to be obedient to him. And in doing that, in Nehemiah, we see that he's got a recognition of his own weakness. See that in verses 6 to 7. See, when Nehemiah focuses on God and his covenant love, he recognises his sinfulness. Nehemiah searches his own heart and confesses that he is no better than those in Jerusalem. Verse 7 describes the sins committed. The commandments of the Lord have not been kept. We have acted wickedly or corruptly towards God. Nehemiah is as much dependent on God's mercy and grace as the next person. And those that he's been called to and who are on his heart. Again, when we come to serve and obey God's call in our lives, let us ensure that we're not built up with pride and self-assurance in our own righteousness and in our own abilities. For each of us are equally sinners. Each of us are as guilty of disobedience and not loving God as we should and in response to his love. Each of us do not deserve restoration, but we're only saved by the grace of God through faith. You know, as we pray for our church and for our communities, let us not pray for, or let us pray for our own lives, that we remember that what we are is only because we are in Christ. And finally, with Nehemiah, there's a confidence in God's promises. 
verses 8 and 9. Nehemiah calls to mind the promises of God's covenant made through Moses. He says, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you. But if you return to me and keep my commands, I will gather them to the place I have chosen to make my name dwell there. There's an either-or choice in the covenant promise, isn't there? If unfaithful, you will be scattered. But if you return and keep my commandments, there will be blessing, a return to the Holy Land. Now what a, an assurance Nehemiah, Nehemiah had in God's promise to his people, that he will restore them and that his name will be glorified through them. Again, as we embark on this new start and mission in church, we go with the promise of the gospel, the assurance of salvation, that those who believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, in effect, Nehemiah was praying, God, do as you have promised. May your kingdom be restored. May your will be done. Jesus prayed that also and, and taught us, his disciples, to pray that too. May your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as we pray and continue to pray for our church, for our community, for our neighbours, those we have a burden for and weep for, let us give thanks for God's faithfulness over the years to us. Let us confess our weaknesses and our failures. Let us pray that the gospel goes out faithfully to the lost and that they respond to God's call. Let us pray for maturity of believers in their faith and that God keeps us humble in our service for him. Let us pray for God's will that it may be done in the villa and the surrounding area and ultimately for the return of Jesus. Let's come to him in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we thank you for how you have restored us. Yet, Lord, our heart breaks and our, our heart uh, yearns, Lord, for those that we love within our families, within our church, within our neighbourhood, Lord, who do not know you. Lord, we pray that we are faithful to our call. We pray, Lord, that we are witnesses for you. Lord, help us as a church. Help us to reach out to share your gospel message. Lord, we pray that many will respond. And Lord, help us as a church and as individuals to grow more in love with you, to be transformed by you, Lord. Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as we think of that, we're going to again continue in our praise and think of those words from Psalm 130. It'll be sung, Out of the depths I cry to you, in darkest places I will call. Incline your ear to me and hear my cry for mercy, Lord. I wait for you. I wait for you. Lord, from the
places I will call Incline your ear to me and you And hear my cry for mercy, Lord Were you to count my sinful ways How could I come before your throne Yet full forgiveness meets my gaze I stand redeemed by grace I will wait for you, I will wait for you on your word. I will rely, I will wait for you, surely wait for you till my soul is satisfied. Christ emerging from the grave, I will wait for you, I will wait for you, on your word, I will rely, I will wait for you, surely wait for you, till my soul is satisfied. As we come to the end of our podcast this evening, we want to lift up one another again in prayer, recognising the need in our day for those who are feeling anxious and worried about the future, for those who uh, are uh, fearful of a loved one and their health at this time, for uh, families 
and for all uh, that uh, the busyness of life brings. We look to the Lord. We look to wait on him, recognising the hope that we have. Let's come to our God now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we lift up before you uh, this day those, Lord, who we know or who are going through difficulties, asking, Lord, that they may know of your everlasting hope and the joy it is to trust in you. Lord, help them know of what it means, Lord, uh, to uh, rest in you through all things that they may face. Lord, we lift up before you those uh, who are in hospital at this time. Lord, we pray for uh, treatment for them. We pray, Lord, that they may have uh, that great awareness of your presence and love surrounding them and all that they may face. And Lord, through these days, Lord, where we still feel a sense of isolation, we sense a sense of fear, we pray, Lord, uh, that there is that great awareness, Lord, of um, not of your people coming together in your name looking to support and encourage one another in all that we may do. Lord, we recognise we do this by your Spirit and your power. Heavenly Father, we also want to lift up before you those who are feeling anxious about the future, those who have been through so much over this last while. Lord, we ask that they may have that great awareness, Lord, of your direction and guidance in all that they do. Showing them, Lord, your gracious and loving way. Showing them what it means, Lord, to trust in you. Heavenly Father, we also bring before you, Lord, our young families. We give you thanks, Lord, uh, for all the children being able to get back to schools. We thank you, Lord, uh, for the blessing of family life. But Lord, we want to bring before you just the busyness of life at this time. We pray, Lord, that there is that sense of you being in control and, Lord, that there will be those times, Lord, in which we can take a step back to see of your goodness and love and to recognise your blessings in our lives and in the lives of our families. Heavenly Father, we recognise all too often Lord, how we can look to this world for our hope and treasure. But it will peel away into insignificance as we see your gracious and loving hand upon us. Help us know this, Heavenly Father, we pray. And we ask these things now in Jesus' loving name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. May you know the richness of God's blessing throughout this week. Let's finish together with the words of the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.